Glory to God. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Glory to God. Everybody say the joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. The joy of the Lord is your strength. I've seen more joy Christmas ornaments, Christmas wreaths that just say joy. They just say joy. And we know that the real joy can't come in anything you can find under a tree. The real joy can only come through Jesus Christ. And Christians need it now more than ever. Because we're living in the last of the last days. And in the last days, perilous times will come. When I first became a Christian, I was looking to the future that it's really going to get bad. One of the things that brings these troubled times, the Bible said the, the basis for it all, the root of it all, men shall be lovers of their own self. And out of that love of self, the ultimate idolatry is not bowing to a pot-bellied Buddha or some other image or God who is really an impersonated God. The demons will impersonate these gods that man has made. The ultimate idolatry that we are to flee is self-worship, self-indulgence. First prerequisite to follow Christ is not what's in it for me. The first pre prerequisite for following Christ. I'm not talking about going to church. You can go to church as long as you help them build whatever project they're building. You're just fine. But the first prerequisite for following Jesus. By the way, we've even had ministers concerned that have great followings. And, and, and I'm thankful that they are concerned. They had a, a ministry with the former president of Moody Bible Institute, non-Pentecostal participated in a conference by a four-square ministry, Pentecostal-based ministry. It was called a vertical conference. In other words, are you getting your messages from your denominational influences? Are you getting your messages from what the people like to hear and want to hear and what they respond to? Are you getting your message vertically from God? Is God speaking to you so that you can speak to the people? And if He does... And he has in his word for sure. Are you preaching the whole counsel of God? Are you not preaching something that God has clearly stated in his word? Are you, are you just giving the people what they want? Or are you trying to fulfill your personal ambition to have a ministry and have an income and, and be prominent? And it makes you stop and give pause, David Jeremiah, a great apologist, not David Jeremiah, but Zechariah, David, Rod, Ravi Zechariah, an apologist. He's not apologizing for being a Christian. He's defending the Christian faith to the intellectuals and to the gainsayers and to the world. And he ministers not only in a Christian college as a professor, but, uh, or did. He ministers in, in defending the gospel and debating it with people, the atheists and all of the others. He said what troubled him, as I've told you before, is when young candidates for ministry are graduating with high honors and, and, and theological degrees. And after all they have read and studied and learned from the Bible, 
they come to him, he said, invariably and inevitably, and they ask him, where, Ravi, should I put in my application for pastorate? Which parts of the country offer the best pay packages? Which parts of the country offer the best benefits and where the best parsonage package and the best pay package and the best benefit package? And he said, it takes me back. I don't, I don't get it how they can study the Bible, study the book, and know so little about God. And know so little about God. And what are you going to hear from paid professionals whose chief concern is where can I make the most money and live the most well off? If missionaries had that attitude, the world would go to hell in a handbasket. Not one would sacrifice to go and tell somebody about Jesus Christ. But I don't believe that should be unique to missionaries. I believe it should be something that every minister of the gospel understands. That when you give your life to the Lord and you're going to tell others how to follow Jesus, you've got to demonstrate it. And you can't be concerned about how much money you're going to make. humorous story but it's heartbreaking because it is so true of a a pastor of a little rural church who never had over 50 people I don't know sounds like somebody I know personally so he never had this grand church and grand salary and all of the grand things that he thought that he deserved and a ministerial committee came to hear him preach one Sunday they had heard that he was Really a good minister of the gospel. They sat in the back, the four of them. The church uptown, the first church of what's happening now, or whatever the name of it was, sent them out and they met him after the service and said, we love your preaching and we've been authorized by our congregation to pick our next pastor. We don't even need to bring it to a vote. We've been out without a pastor for three or four months now and we need a pastor right now. Would you come and be the pastor? And they gave him the list of all the benefits, the big parsonage, all of the benefits, the the three times the salary. And he said, well, I'll get back with you. I'll pray about it and get back with you. I'll pray about it and get back with you. So... According to this story, and I'm sure it's true of many because of what Robbie Zachariah said. He went home, told his wife what had occurred. She said, well, what did you say? He said, I told them I would pray about it and get back with you. So I'm going upstairs to pray about it. You start packing. Amen. If you really pray and surrender... God may want you to stay where you are. And you need to find joy in it. If I didn't have joy in it, I wouldn't be here. I'd be off somewhere saying, because I had a lady come to me. when. Remember the Holy Church of God when we used to fill it up and use the balcony and the parking lot was full? 
Couldn't get a security guard to stay there because he's scared to death. Amen. Honestly, we couldn't get security guards. They say, oh, I ain't staying out there. They refused to come out and walk around our parking lot at night. But God kept us down through all of those years. One time, a lady from Africa, uh, a missionary from Africa, and she had influence over several churches, and she was a very spiritual lady. And Oh, the Holy Ghost come down that night. God moved by His Spirit. Boy, he poured out his spirit. Some of you are saved because of some of those outpourings in, the, in those services. Praise God. It was powerful, Sister Ruth. How long have you been? You've been with us a long time. God just come down. God come down. I've listened to some of my sermons. Honestly, they were not that deep or great, but God came down. Amen. God showed up. Amen. I preached better without him showing up and didn't get nothing accomplished. Amen. Honestly, it don't, when God comes down, God comes in the room. Bunch of teenagers in the back come and hit the altar. Bunch of 12 and 10-year-olds come and hit the altar. We didn't have puppets or children's ministry. We, this was, they were bored stiff till God come down. But when God come down and manifest Himself, they were convicted and here they come. I remember one Wednesday night we, we uh, had some three young men acting up in the balcony. They just come in to make fun, I guess. They come in. They were acting up in the balcony. Service was over. I headed for the balcony. And uh, I sat them down and told them, this is God's house. You need to reverence. You're welcome to come here. God loves you. We love you. We want you to know Christ. But you can't hear the gospel up here acting up and just talking with one another. If you will reverence God's house and God's word, amen, uh, you're welcome to come and hear the gospel. They came back the next Sunday. And all three of them came forward to receive Christ as their Savior. And they said, we'll see you Wednesday night, preacher. Wednesday night come, they didn't show up. And I started an inquiry. Anybody know what happened? And what happened then is happening right now in Sulphur Springs. Instead of coming to church, a guy had gotten a new set of weights. And he said, we'll go to church Sunday. But tonight... Come on over to my, my house, and we'll try out this new set of weights. And they were all three with him under the carport lifting weights. And a car came by, bang, 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 bang. And one of those three was killed in a drive-by shooting. But when they reverenced God's presence, and they understood they were in his house, they came under conviction. I didn't convince them to be nice. They didn't have to come back to church the next Sunday, but they did. But they came with a different... Holy Spirit got a hold of them. The Holy Ghost got a hold of them. He knew one of them was going into eternity. And God did double time on them. Can you say man? Hallelujah. You can listen to the best Bible studies there are. You can get so deep into the Word of God, you have to wear a wetsuit. Can you say amen? Amen. You can get deep and you can get so knowledgeable. But without the Holy Spirit doing His job... Nobody can fill his office. Can you say man? Uncle Bud Robinson spoke with a lisp. Not only did he have a speech impediment, but he also came from the mountains of West Virginia. Uncle Bud Robinson won thousands of people to Jesus Christ. Sometimes people would come and sit in the audience because they heard, you've got to hear this guy. 
he's, he's just, uh, you know, this colloquial, uh, the way he talks. And then he has a speech impediment on top of that. And, and there were people coming in vested suits to sit in the back and really just giggle at his presentation. But somewhere in the middle of that presentation, even those that didn't come seeking but just came to giggle at him, God came down. The Holy Spirit came down. And when the Holy Spirit came down, they became convicted and many of them that came to gawk and giggle came to Christ as their Savior under deep Holy Ghost conviction. That's another thing if I wrote a book I would write about. Not only where is where where's the messages on heaven, where is the message on hell, whatever happened to heaven, whatever happened to hell, whatever happened to the soon coming of Jesus Christ. And another chapter would be whatever happened to Holy Ghost conviction. The Bible said when He comes, He will give you more than a liver shiver on Sunday morning. When He comes, the Spirit of truth which the Father shall send, when He comes, He will convince the world of sin and of unrighteousness and of judgment. He will do that when He comes. That's His office. That's His job. I can preach hell hot and heaven sweet and never get anyone to want to go to heaven or to shun hell. But if the Holy Spirit convicts the heart, He shows them their lost condition, and He shows them the glorious opportunity to be saved simultaneously. He will convince the world of sin. You know what that word is in the Greek? It's the word convict. Holy Ghost conviction. How many remember when preaching took place and tears rolled down the cheeks of people under conviction? Under deep conviction, we had a funeral here not too long ago, and we just had a morning service, had the funeral afterwards, and I believe in a, a residue of that anointing. In fact, there was so much of that leftover anointing. Now, we love it, but people don't know Jesus and running from God that the Holy Ghost was going to convict through that anointing. They're very uncomfortable. They're very uncomfortable. When, pe when you start a funeral and you're not looking at anybody in particular, but somebody's looking at you and they can't keep looking at you, and they just look at the floor, and I say, that's the hound of heaven. And I say that with deep respect. The whole, listen, you wouldn't be here today if the hound of heaven hadn't got on your trail and stayed on your trail and not let up on you. Can you say amen? How many's ever had the hound of heaven get on your trail? <laughs> amen. You can run to the bar. You can run to the brothel. You can run anywhere you want to run. But the hound of heaven, somebody's praying for you. Amen. Hallelujah. And he is on. Did, did the Holy Ghost convict you? Listen, nobody convinced you. Somebody convicted you. Can you say man? And he's extremely active when the gospel is being preached. And so is the devil. The devil, there's, listen, we need to teach more than just correct theology. We need to teach people to be devoted to Christ themselves. And we need to teach them something about spiritual warfare. Because we're just aiming for the intellect to get mental consent when the people need a spiritual revelation and realization that the only the Holy Spirit can give them. Spiritual warfare occurs. You say, Brother Benable, I'm not into that de dealing with the devil thing. Well, honey, if you're going to preach the gospel, you're going to deal with the devil. Amen? And if you don't know how to defeat him, 
Listen to what the Bible said, because we're in a war for the souls of men, and it begins with the minds of men. No matter how good you can delineate the truth of the Bible and how powerful that truth is, the God of this world has blinded the minds of men, lest they would see the glory of the gospel and be saved. You're telling them about describing, it's like describing blue to a person who's never seen in their life, who are stone blind. You can describe the color in wonderful terms and eloquence. And you can tell the truth about the color blue. But they have nothing to relate it to. They'll never get it until something occurs in their mind first. First, the mind has to be liberated. So the choice can be made. Not everyone will choose Christ when this occurs. But everyone will know. Everyone will know. Everyone will know. Listen, there's not a person on this planet that doesn't have the faith to be saved. Not a person. There's no one in the scientific community. By the way, many, many, and I like the good news. There's so much bad news. Many in the scientific community are professing Christ as Savior and do not believe what is politically politically correct and scientifically accepted and that is the theory of evolution they just don't believe it and it started way back with michael faraday who was the the father they called him the father of rocket science everything that's happening today started with someone that that developed that science for that to occur and he was a devout believer in jesus and in the resurrection And he was a devout opponent to science without recognizing a creator. And he said one of the fundamental rules of science is, and we always get back in our day to nothing from nothing leaves nothing. He said if you've got something, it can evolve into something. But you've got to have a something. And that's what they don't have in their theory and their science. Amen. Oh, a one-celled amoeba appeared in the ocean. It can't do that scientifically. It can't just appear. It can't come out of nothing. Once it's here, it can evolve into something. But it has to come from something. And he says, there has to be a creator There has to be a creator. There has to be a creator. I worked with a man who was a dedicated Christian. We were on a call out when I was bivocational. We were out among the stars, way out in the boondocks somewhere because a wire was down. I worked for Tampa Electric on a line crew. And and it was a cold winter night. It was about 38 degrees And there was not a cloud in the sky. And the stars, because there were no buildings, we were out in the boondocks. And the stars looked like some of those pictures of those lights just twinkling. I mean, how full without clouds, without anything to take away the view the sky was. You know, the Bible said the heavens speak. The heavens declare the handiwork of God. Hebrews chapter 11 said, 
we under, through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God. That nothing that is made was made by anything that you can see. Can you say amen? But it was made. There is a creator. And this guy was not a scientist, but he said, he said you know something? With, for this universe to be in perfect orbit, orbit, that there would be chaos in the universe if, if it was out by just one little bit. He said, you know what that would be like? Men, do you know what that would be like? He was a bold Christian. He said, you know what that would be like? He said it would be like, and he took off his watch, taking a perfectly accurate timepiece, beating it with a hammer into a thousand pieces, putting it into a paper bag, popping the paper bag, and out comes a perfectly operating timepiece. He said, that, my friends, is the big bang theory. He said, but this, my friends, is a creator God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. And I just about passed the plate. Because that was worth something. Amen. The fool has said in his heart. What does he say? There is no God. Why does he say that? Why is he so foolish to deny the witnesses that we have? Amen. Because he doesn't want to account. Once he says there is a God, it means I have to account to this God. Life doesn't stop with the grave. There's someone that I must face after this world, and I need, I'm in desperate need of a Savior. Can you say, man? I dare not face him as my judge without a Savior. Glory be to God. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God. And the things that are made were not made by anything that you can see. God said, let there be. And there was. Hallelujah. Praise God. So we got preachers being turned out. Looking for where's the best. Where's the best salary? Where's the best opportunity for me to advance myself into prominence? And where am I going to make the most money? And that is the future clergy that are going to step into prestigious pulpits. And if it's not that crowd, it's another crowd of merchandisers that have stepped into the vacuum people used to give because they love Jesus. They used to give stimulated by the cross. They said, if God has done this for me, the least I can do is support His work, support His servants. That's the very least of, of an expression of my devotion. Amen? And since people lost the first love, people lost the first love, and I preach a lot on getting back the first love, reigniting the flame of the first love. But my preaching has changed. My evangelistic part of me, I'm a pastor evangelist, and that's why we're on the web, and that's why we're on the radio. And that's why I don't just pat you on the head every Sunday and tell you you're okay when I know, in fact, none of us are. We all need to get closer to God. We all need to deepen our devotion. Because we're upstream Christians in a downstream world, and it's going to take a deeper devotion in this generation to follow Christ than it has in any previous 
generation. Why? Because many false prophets have went out into the land, and they will what? Deceive a few people, just a few will pay attention. Uh -uh. They're going to receive. And this is what troubles me. This is what's so disconcerting. Matthew 24, what shall be the sign of thy coming? When shall these things be? He said, here's one great one. Many, many. Say it with me. Many, many. Not, this is not an aberration. This is something that's pervasive in the church. Many. This is a sign in the church, not a sign in the Middle East, not a sign in Israel, but a sign in the church and a warning to the church. Many false prophets shall go forth and do what? Deceive many. And since the message of convicting of sin and repentance of sin is gone, because of the false prophets are not interested in your sanctification. They're only interested in their personal gain. They don't care about your soul. And conviction isn't coming when they preach. One was so bold who has 30,000 in the building on Sunday and tens of thousands listening. Makes it hard to witness anymore because people listen to him on television and they, they, they think that's church and that's God and that's all there is to it. They're not told about the need to repent. He made a public statement. I never preach on sin to my people. Because they need lifting up. They just need blessing. They're battered and beat down. and They just need lifting up and encouraging. So I never preach on sin. And I thought anybody who refuses to tell the sinner... That he's lost and needs a savior. Shouldn't be in a pulpit. Are you judging him? I'm judging the attitude. I'm judging the message. Let God take care of him. I believe he exists because Christians have lost the first love. And they are asking what's in it for me. Instead of deny thyself, the message today is self-indulge thyself. Instead of take up thy cross, it's take up thy Bentley. Pretty easy to drive a Bentley to church. And go back into a gated community. Where the crime is low and the blessings are huge. Who wouldn't? Judas followed Jesus. Thought that he would be part of a new government. And that he would be the treasurer. And he had designs on getting rich by following Jesus. And when he discovered that he wasn't going to get rich, he might even get killed. He said, I've spent three years. I'm going to paraphrase for him. He said, I've spent three years following this vagabond Jew, and I'm not going to get nothing out of it. I've sacrificed three years. I've sacrificed my dating life, my, my social life, my intimate life. I've sacrificed my political life. I could have been trying to get up in the Sanhedrin, but I followed him around. And he sold Jesus out for 30 pieces of silver. I want something tangible in my hand that I can indulge myself with right now. And if I don't get that, I'm not following him. Not only am I not following him, I'm going to sell him out. And you have to ask yourself the question, how many people would follow 
Jesus today if it costs them what is costing our brothers and sisters all around the world. And I'm not going to go in detail, not only for time's sake, but it's just so sickening. Some of the stuff that I get in the mail. The Bible said they will make merchandise out of you. One paraphrase said they will lay awake at night thinking up schemes to how to get money from you. And honey, if people ain't laying awake at night and planning it, I don't know how they come up with some of the junk that you get in the mail from prominent, well-known, many false prophets, heart not broken over the lost, always harping on the temporal and the material. If you're following Jesus to get rich, and I'm not saying he won't make you rich. You know the best way to have even the possibility of getting rich? Put no premium on the riches. Put the premium on the kingdom and the king. Sing, take this whole world and give me Jesus. He might give you Jesus and some of the riches of the world. But if you say, I ain't following Jesus, if you can't tell me what is in it for me right here, right now, you, you'll never deny yourself. You will never take up your cross. You may sit in church, but you won't follow Jesus. There's a vast difference. Sitting in church won't make you a follower of Christ or a Christian any more than sitting in a garage will make you a Buick. Can you say amen? Nothing's going to change. We will be the same old, same old people. But if you put the kingdom first, he'll take care of you. I'm here to tell you, he'll take care of you. We paid this church through the faithfulness of a very few down to $14,000. We didn't have to preach some material message to get God's blessing. We preached His truth every Sunday, and God blessed us for doing it. We got down to $14,000, and a man asked me that don't come here hasn't come back he isn't going to come here (laughs) so i assume when that happens the lord must have put something in somebody's heart he said how much do you owe on this church you and your people i said fourteen thousand we we got it down to fourteen thousand he wrote a check for fourteen thousand dollars and handed it to me praise god the 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 portable out there they give them away to you when they're getting kind of old and and if you can come get it but it took seventeen hundred dollars to move it and set it up didn't have the $1,700. Coming down when I was bivocational, walking down the steps to the time clock, there's a guy at the bottom waiting for me. And he said, here. And he handed me an envelope with $800 in it. I wasn't, I didn't send him a letter. I didn't send him no water with the anointing on it. How did that happen? Can we do God's work, God's way, and have God's blessing? Can we put the kingdom first and have God take care of us? Will God meet the need? His name is El Shaddai, not El Chipo. Come on, I don't live that way. I know there's a blessing in the Lord. It's just not the way they're portraying it. 
If you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, your daddy knows what you have need of. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. 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 Your father knows what you have need of. Glory be to God. And if he so, and look at the lilies of the field, they don't toil and they don't spin. But Solomon in his glory was not clothed as one of these. If your father so clothed the lily of the field, He's going to clothe ye, O ye of little faith. Can you say man? Hallelujah. 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 Consider the fowls of the air. God feeds them. They don't worry where the next meal's coming from. Your father takes care of them. If he takes care of them, he's going to take care of you. It's amazing how these things get twisted when the kingdom is first. The king is first. Because the kingdom is the rule and domain of a king. It's to what extent Jesus is the Lord of your life. And if Jesus is the Lord of your life, you don't say, what's in it for me? You say, I know what's in it for me. Eternal life. We, listen listen to, the, to the difference in the message. We were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold. After the tradition of your fathers. Amen. But with the precious blood. That that you can't put a premium or a price on. That it can't be sold. But with the precious blood of a lamb. Without spot and without wrinkle. Hallelujah. Today the idea. The ideology. The philosophy. The theology. That is so corrupted. Is that you can buy what Jesus bought and paid for at the cross freely you've received sell it for a price freely you've received how do you give now that doesn't mean don't receive an offering don't receive a salary missionaries need to be supported pastors have been known to need to eat amen but i will never imply biblically or otherwise that you can give God money to get your, get your family saved. It's not your money. It's His blood. At the gate beautiful, silver and gold have I none. But such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus. In today's economy, they would walk by that same man and say, What have you got in your cup? If you want to be healed, you better take what's in your, the little bit that's in your cup, you better take it and invest it in our ministry. That's today. That's how far we are from the truth. One man went to pray over a mound of letters. And he went to pray over and he stopped. And he said, I really can't pray for anyone who hasn't made a donation to the ministry. In other words, if you're not giving money to His ministry, you have no right for His intercession or God's mercy and grace. That's selling. Have you ever heard this one? I did coming up in Pentecost. Evangelists would be in town. This didn't just start recently. This started and has come a long time ago. Wasn't getting enough in the offering. So he said, 
an angel has just entered the room. Remember, remember Goose, Goosey Lucy? She used to do that. You've heard of Goosey Lucy. I told it. And I'm still telling it. She's famous. Infamous. They would set fans up. They would have a cross breeze, breeze out toward the audience just behind the curtain of the stage. She would say, the angels have entered the room. And big white feathers would just come out of nowhere and go out over that audience. And they're grabbing these feathers. Lord, See, number one, I didn't know that angels molted. I thought they were celestial beings, and I didn't think they were like some of the birds that I have owned. But somebody decided... Listen, if she's going to holler, angels are here, and their actual feathers are blowing out here over the audience. Her name was Lucy something, evangelist Lucy something, another. He took it to a butcher shop. Said, what kind of feathers is this? He said, oh, I've seen them a hundred times, especially around Christmas. He said, that's goose feathers. Okay. And so the, you know what they named her? Goosey Lucy. But did you know what Christians did? You know what Christians did? They bought it. They bought it. They bought into it. They got excited. They gave. You push the right button. You can stimulate them to give. You can't stimulate them with Christ. You can't stimulate them with the cross. You can't stimulate them with Calvary. But you give them something tangible something they can see that's why that's exactly why when Moses came down off the mountain they were building that golden calf they want a God what's got skin on they want a God that they can see they want to worship the tangible they can't accept the fact that God is a spirit and they that worship him must first recognize that he is amen and he is a spirit and they that worship him must worship him it's imperative in spirit and in truth it's got to come from the heart because you appreciate what he's given when he gave his son hallelujah not because you give oh come on church Amen. This giving just to get. And by the way, God blesses generosity. It's in His Word. It's a spiritual law. You sow bountifully. You reap bountifully. That's true. But if you sow with the wrong attitude, God owes you nothing. You have not because you ask not. You don't have a prayer life. You don't. God is not your source. You ask and receive not. Now faith isn't the issue. Because you ask amiss to do what? Consume it on yourself. That's why to follow Jesus, the first prerequisite is what? If any man will be my disciple, let him deny himself. You can't follow Jesus. How are you going to follow Jesus? Who poured his life out unto death was obedient to the death of the cross. And you're going to take up that cross and follow him? No, you're just going to go to church and say, what's in it for me? And if you don't get something material pretty quick, I ain't giving nothing. I ain't following him no further. That's exactly Judas' attitude. Listen to this. Many false prophets shall go out into the land and deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound... One of these guys, and I forget his name, 
I would tell you because Dave Wilkerson told the name before I did. But he was sitting in first class in an airliner. No, none of them do now. Most of them have their own jets, and it's not nothing wrong with having a jet. I wish I had a helicopter sometimes to get me back to Plant City during the Strawberry Festival. It's hard to get back to Plant City from here during the Strawberry Festival. I go through Lake Denotasassa. But everybody, one man's asking, well, Creflo Dollar's asking for 65 million. It was on the news. Six, 65 million. This is not for a good, great jet. This is for the Cadillac of jet airplanes. One preacher asked why he was making a million dollars a year. He said, Billy Graham don't get paid that. You know what his answer was? Can you, can you, the audacity, the pride, the unchristlikeness that we tolerate. And we Christians are the one that send in the millions. They couldn't exist without us. I'm not talking about you guys. You ain't got no money to send them. Amen. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. You're rich and, and, and you're rich and you're keeping it under wraps so nobody asks for loans. Oh, I see the people in here in it for what you can get. You're disinterested in the cross. You're disinterested in following Jesus. But boy, do the ears perk up when we talk about what God owes you and what He's going to give you for following Him. And I'm going to tell you, I want to be a representation. God has took good care of me. Hallelujah. I've never had May pop tires after coming to Jesus. I've always had me a set of tires. Amen. I didn't ever fill my tank up until I come to Christ. I didn't have the money to fill it up. When I started giving to the Lord, I found that things happened. Things just happened. When we first started giving to the Lord, we couldn't hardly make it to the end of the month. We started giving to the Lord. I'm going to tell you, there is a blessing in giving to the Lord. But it's because you love Him. If He didn't give us anything, we would have still give to Him. What price can you put on salvation and a man who would be your substitute on the cross? And we looked around and we were meeting our budget and had money left to give to God. We were so excited. We said, we, in fact, I sat down with my wife. She can verify this. We were going to find out how, how are we making it and still giving to God when we couldn't hardly make it, when we didn't give anything to God. How are we making it? We looked at each other and it's like a light bulb went on. We're not going to try to do the math. We're just going to rejoice in the blessing and keep on giving. I don't know how he's doing it. I don't know how we're doing it. All I know is I got tires on my car. When I filled it up the first time, oh, you ain't never been po. You don't know what I'm talking about. If you've ever been po, you know what I'm talking about. When I filled my car up for the first time, I didn't know if it was rusted from half a tank up. I never got over $5 worth because we had to get milk for the baby and baby food. And before I got saved, we had to have cigarettes. Lord knows, even if you got the honky flu, you got to get up and pop a cigarette in your mouth. So between the cigarettes and the baby food, we hardly had any food, and you get $3 worth of gas. And started serving God. Well, I am kind of figuring it out. You know what we saved on cigarettes went into the gas tank? That helped a lot. <laughs> 
oh, if I get saved, God's going to take all that stuff away from me. No, he's going to fill you up so full with himself, you won't need it anymore. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. <laughs> he ain't going to, oh, I'm going to quit this when God takes it from me. You ain't never going to quit it. I used to quit smoking just because I couldn't afford to smoke. Somebody asked me, they said, they said, they said, I thought you said you quit smoking because I'd bumming them off people at work. I'd quit smoking, not buy any. And then I'd say, hey, hey, you got a cigarette? They got that. I, start, I quit smoking Winston and started smoking OPs. Other people's. Amen. And they say, Robert, I thought you said you quit smoking. Oh, yeah, I did. I must have quit a thousand times. I don't have no habit. I did have a habit. When we serve God for the right reason, God will come through. We had a, we had a Volkswagen. I got to hurry and quit, but we had a Volkswagen. It was a Volkswagen, the little station wagon Volkswagen back in the 60s. It had the engine in the rear. Boy, that thing hummed like a sewing machine. Got great gas mileage. We, we had bought it on time, and we were one payment away from paying for it. And the engine didn't just quit, darling. It blew up. Something went boom, and black smoke come out of it. And I called every Volkswagen shop in town and asked them to tell them what happened, and they all told me the same thing. They said it would be cheaper to get another car than to try to fix your car. Well, I didn't have money to fix my car or get another car. And I borrowed a vehicle from my stepdad to take care of a funeral. Because uh, I was bivocational at that time before I went full-time at the Holy Church of God. I was preaching in Plant City, Florida. And I, I remember getting off from Tampa Electric getting in that barred car and going to take care of a family that had lost a son. I just shelved. How am I going to get to work when I have to give this car back? How am I going to make it? I just give it all to God. Put His kingdom first. man called me on the phone. He said, I am going to buy a new car today. And I want you to go with me to Brandon to the car lot. He said, it may have a few miles on it, but it's like brand new. It won't have any more than 10,000 miles on it, guaranteed. I thought, Lord have mercy. I ain't never bought a car under 90,000 miles in my life. Amen. And never got one with good tires neither. So he said, would you come and go with me to Brandon? Would you come and go with me to Brandon and help me pick out the car? And I thought the unmitigated gall. No, I didn't. I thought, I did. You know what I thought? You know what I thought? I thought, I need a car so bad. And you want me to go with you to help you get almost a brand new car. See, old self. <laughs> Poor old me. <laughs> I mean, I had a case of the poor old me's. And, and I can, he said, now come on, I'm serious. I want you to help me pick out a car. I'm going to buy one today. I'll come and get you. And I thought, well, I'm going to be Christ-like and help him find his car. 
<laughs> and he'd come and pick me up and took me to Brandon. And he said, I want you to look around this parking lot because all of these cars have less than 10,000 miles on them. And I came and looked at a car, and it was a matador. You remember the matador? You had a matador? I had one too. White cream bottom, and it had that leatherette-looking green top. Oh, man, a matador. American Motors put them things out. It looked good. Child, it looked good to me when you ain't got no car, and you're looking at these new cars. And I walked up and down and looked inside, and I looked inside that matador, and I said, this is just me. You get what you want. But if, if I was going to get, this thing has 7,700 and something miles on. It's barely broke in. It looks like brand spanking new. I can't find a scratch on Look at them tire. Whoever said tires ain't pretty, ain't, ain't never been poor. Can you say, man? But if you ever been poor running around on Maypops, tires are real pretty, brother. Amen. Hallelujah. And I looked in that thing. I said, if I was going to get me a car today, and, you know, and he said, okay, I like that one too. I said, wait right here. So I'm standing there thinking, I want to go home. I want to go home. I got to figure out how to get to work. I got to give this loaner back. I got to figure out what I'm going to do. I ain't got no money, no extra money coming in. I ain't got money to fix this one, buy another one. What am I going to do, Lord? What am I going to do? And why you got me out here watching people buy new cars? <laughs> it's hard enough to have faith when you're not out there doing that. But when you put the kingdom first... The Father knows what you have need of. And when I took care of that funeral instead of thinking of us in our predicament, God was watching. God was watching. God was watching. And then that guy come out of that little office and he said, come here. I walked in the office. I thought he wanted me to witness something. He said, I want you to sign right here. I walked up to the table. He had bought the car for cash in my name. And all I had to do was sign the title. Honey, I'm going to tell you something. I'm no televangelist. I don't have a jet plane. People don't do that unless somebody is talking to them. Can you say, man? And I drove that new Matador home, 7,700 and something miles. The engine didn't knock. It didn't smoke. I couldn't smell gas when I cranked up uh, amen there wasn't there wasn't old milk cartons under the seat chocolate milk cartons that had soured it smells so good <laughs> they even got spray now a new car smell <laughs> honey you could spray it in the cars i had and it wouldn't smell like no new car <laughs> can you say man <laughs> yeah, hallelujah but he let me drive home in a brand new car because he knew i didn't get in this thing to get that car I got in it to serve a great king and a great master. Will God bless you? You bet He will when you're serving for the right reason. I'm young. I used to not be able to say this, but this man here says, you can say it now. Can you say, man, I'm young and catches right here sometimes. I'm young and now I'm old. But I've never seen... The righteous, if you're right with God. Oh, let me finish this. I'm almost done. I've never seen the righteous forsaken. I've never seen his beg. 
every seed have to beg for bread. Why? Because when the kingdom is first, the God is going to father you. God is going to provide. God is going to make a way. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Car, no car. He's my Lord. And he even does the little things. When I went to work for Tampa Electric, I was still poor. Finally got a good job. Started out on the labor crew. My stepdad wore a size 11. I wore an eight and a half back then. I wore a nine now. My feet are flat and spreading out. I need a little room in there. <laughs> I wore an eight and a half then. I had on size 11 cowboy boots. Because my stepdad was a truck driver. He had wore them thin. I mean thin. So I had on those cowboy boots going to work. Those are my work boots. I'm going to have to get some paydays before I get me some boots. Because, listen, you've you, you got feet or eat. That's your choice, feet or eat. How many know that if you don't eat, it don't matter about your feet anymore? You can't get out there and do that work in that hot sun. <laughs> I was in a labor crew down in those ditches, underground residential distribution. I had on those cowboy boots, and I noticed water coming in because there's some water down in those, you know, come up over your soles. And I, <laughs> I looked down at them boots, and underneath, underneath, there were holes. It wore out a hole, and the water was coming up in it. So I went and got me a bunch of newspaper and put in the bottom. I'm going to tell you something about newspaper and water. It don't last very long. And because the, the, the thread got wet and started to rot, the sole came loose and started flapping. So I come in early to work, went and opened the bin of one of those trucks and got some electrical tape. And man, I went to town taking that flapping tongue. Yes, hey, if we're going to talk Poe here, I, I know where you're coming from. I didn't get in this for any other reason than Jesus. Because He didn't start giving me stuff the day. But He did start taking care of me and my household. And I, 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 had, I had those boots wrapped up. I used a roll of tape. I mean a big old roll of electrical tape on both of those boots. And I was feeling pretty good because it covered the holes in the bottom. It kept it from flapping. But there was a young man just come out of the service. And he saw me with those boots. He said, what are you doing with those boots all taped up? I said, keeping them from flapping. <laughs> Amen. Keeping the water out. He didn't say a word. But the next day when I come in with my old cowboy boots on, oh, I had room. There was room for my feet in those size 11s. Amen. They came way out anyway. I looked like an elf with them big pointed boots walking. You know how the end of cowboy boots will curl up after they get old and worn? They both curled up. I look like, I, I look pretty bad. But this young man, and he didn't want to embarrass me. He said, he said, Robert, Robert, come here, come here. He parked beside me. And I come over, I, he come over and he opened the back door to the car. And he pulled out, he said, when I come out of the army, I had a brand new pair of jump boots. They come up over your ankle. Yeah, man, shine, Lord, them things had to shine on them. And they were heavy duty. He said, I want to give these to you. And I knew God must be thinking of me. 
Praise God. And I took off them cowboy boots, man. I threw, <laughs> I threw them in that car. And I thought, man, oh, man, look at him. Look at him. Hallelujah. Ain't God good. I put on them boots. Hey, man, you talk about working. Man, I was stepping. <laughs> Let's go to work. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Listen, you thank Him for the little things. You thank Him for the little things. You thank Him. You see God in it. You see God providing. You say the kingdom is first. Jesus is the Lord of my life. I'm young. I'm Now I'm old, but I've never seen. Never seen something I have never... Oh, I've seen hard times come. Amen. But I've never seen the righteous forsaken. The righteous... Oh, it says in the Greek, the uncompromisingly righteous. Not the half-baked or the lukewarm, but the sold-out-to-God ones. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and His what? What is His righteousness? Righteousness means to be right with God. Nothing wrong. So I heard a lady evangelist on television. She said, This is what that means. I'm going to interpret it and teach it to the throngs of people listening. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. His righteousness doesn't mean now getting thoroughly right with God and putting the kingdom first. You know what it means? His way of doing things here's how you be right with God you've got to discover the way to get and of course the way to get is to give to her and her ministry that's how you get kingdom blessings not by making Jesus the Lord of your life but by investing not in any ministry and by the way if you give it to the poor it don't mean nothing to God only to that rich preacher Come on, don't mean anything to help the poor. But give it to the man that's got more than he can handle anyway. And, and how do they defend that? If you want to get a harvest, you've got to sow into fertile ground. And look how God's blessing me. No, honey, people are giving to you with the promise of getting what you have. And if it wasn't for the riches, they wouldn't follow Jesus around the corner, around the block. I believe the same standard for the missionary should be given to the minister in the pulpit. Because just because he's not called to the mission field shouldn't mean he shouldn't be just as devoted to follow Jesus Christ no matter what. And God took good care of me. Gave me a car. Gave me, a, <laughs> gave me boots. Started by giving me boots when I didn't have shoes to wear. But then he gave me a car when I didn't have a car to drive. And then we got down to about $10,000 on our mobile home. <laughs> Amen. And somebody called and said, I want to pay it off. And then a problem came up and I got so excited, God's going to pay this thing off. I got so excited. My wife got excited. Would you get excited? I got, if you don't get excited, just hand that over to me. I'll get excited for you. Can you say Amen. I got excited about that. More excited about God wanting to meet my need than the actual need being met. That God was talking to people about me. And they were listening. 
<laughs> and I wasn't belly aching. I was thanking God every Sunday. Hallelujah. The Lord is good. I wasn't poor mouthing. Just praising. We got excited and something came up. They called back and said, I, I don't think we're going to be able to do that. I said, that's okay. I mean, I just said, man, it's fine. God is still good. He's still on the throne. Look what He's done for us. Look what He's done. Look what He's done at the cross. We're, we're excited about Jesus anyhow. Two weeks later, got a call back. After we gave it all to God, kingdom is still first. Got a call back. What does the call say? It's come through. I'm going to write you a check. It's a done deal. After we said, it's okay, Lord. We're going to serve you anyway, and we're going to thank you anyway, and we're going to love you anyway. Hallelujah. God said, if you're going to love me anyway, I'm going to bless you. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Are you, are you with me today? Are you getting this? Holy Church of God. I've got to give you one, one last testimony. Holy Church of God. Filled up the parking area. That's back before people went nuts and crazy on us. But we had had it full. Had it full. Oh, yes, they did. Anyway, had it full. Had it full. Balcony was being used. Run out of places to park. I called a realtor local to Sulphur Springs. And I asked about the lot next to us. And I said, is there any possible way, if you know who owns that lot, because we will mow it, we will pick up the beer cans and all the junk, and, and keep the bottles off of it, just to use it for overflow parking, right adjacent to us. We would like to rent it, and we'll keep it mowed as part of the deal. Can you? He said, listen, sir. He said, many people have asked to buy that lot. They wanted to buy it. It's gone commercial. And they've offered good prices for it above what the average should be for it. And a brother and sister own it. And it, they said to me, because I've asked them many times, don't bother us. It's not for sale. We're holding that lot. It's not for sale at any price. And I thought, oh, that's tough. We need it. I said, well, Lord, see, when you put the kingdom first, you just kind of roll everything over into God's department. You don't have to make something happen. You roll it over into... It's God's department. He knows we need the space. That's His department. I can't make people sell that don't want to sell. And I sure can't offer them a whole bunch of money above what everybody else is offering. God's going to have to do this if He wants it done. And if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that He hears us, we know that we have. Hallelujah. And I told Him, I said, well, I thought I'd run it by you. Uh, I said, that's fine. We'll just trust the Lord. He'll make a way. He hung up. I hung up. Three or four weeks later, I got a phone call. He said, you know, I talked to those people that own that lot. And he said, they said they would not sell it. I mean, they would not rent it to you. But they'll sell it to you for $5,000. Commercial property in Tampa for $5,000. What a deal. What a deal. And then he told me the rest of the story. He said he and his sister had covenanted together when their parents died. We will not sell that lot because it's right by that church in Sulphur Springs. And someday, if that church grows, they'll need that lot for parking. 
Hallelujah. 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 Can I tell you one more quick story? Quick. It's true. Kingdom is first. Kingdom is first. Things are going to happen. I'm excited. I don't, I don't know. Sometimes I wonder how you can sit still. I do. I wonder. I get excited. If I couldn't move, I think I would, I would blow up. Sister Ruth just about blew up a while ago. Whoa! Hallelujah. Listen, we talk about the power of God here. We're not talking about the power of persuasion, the power of men, merchandising, manipulating. We're talking about the Holy Ghost moving and talking to people and moving. Hallelujah. When we went from meeting in a meeting room at the embassy suites, I put out a fleece before the Lord. I said, Lord, we need a place. I drove for hours looking for a place for us to have church in. And I couldn't find no place. I looked at churches, $275,000 little bitty churches. I looked at storefronts, $2,000 a month plus utilities and a year lease on it. And I'm saying, we're little. We need something we can afford. We don't have a whole lot to put down. So, Lord, I'm trusting you with that. So I called a realtor. Uh, that deals with churches. And, and he said, he said, after about four weeks, it was in the Lord's hands. I said, if you want us to continue, we need a place. He said, I know a place that has their back lot for sale of a big church. And there's a building on it could be used for a church. My ears perked up, but I didn't want it. I said, well, we'll see. We'll see come and looked at this place, and I said, we could use this. This would be nice. We can put what we got down, and if they would hold the mortgage for the rest of it. And I told him that. He said, they have had some bad dealings and been left high and dry, and they told me it's cash only. We will not hold a mortgage so if you can't get it from the bank, forget it. I said, that's fine. When you put the kingdom first, you want God's will to be done more than you want your way. You're not desperate. I said, Lord, if you don't want it, that's fine. If you don't want it, I don't want it. Because the blessing isn't on it unless you want it. But if you want it, you'll bless us to get it. And I told the realtor, I said, well, if God wants us to have it, We'll get it. if God. See, some people say, if it's to be, it'll be. I didn't say nothing about to be or not to be. I said, if God wants us to have it, we'll have it. If God don't want us to have it, we won't have it. And if God don't want us to have it, guess what? I don't want it bad as we need it. He'll do something else. You've got to let Him be God. You've got to let Him drive. Hallelujah. Three weeks went by. We were going to try to get a loan from the bank. I'm going to tell you something. When you go down there wanting a commercial loan, it's easier to get a personal loan for that amount than it is because they require all kinds of stuff. And we, 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 just, we were so frustrated trying to get all that stuff they wanted together. I told Pamela, I said, forget about it. God must not want us to do that. This is, this is frustration. The Lord's in it. It shouldn't be no frustration. It should be a joy. Hallelujah. It should be peace with it. Give it to God. Let Him work it out. 
put the kingdom really first. Kingdom isn't first until you put God in control of your life. and Find joy in Jesus. Hallelujah. Amen. Got a call and said, you know something? He said, I told you they wouldn't even consider holding the mortgage. He said, I presented what, what you had said to them. And they said, got back with me and said, we're going to make an exception in this case. They'd never met me. They didn't know me. I didn't have a chance to charm them. <laughs> but God had put it in their heart. Whoever wants this. Let them have it. Praise God. Amen. And they did. Hallelujah. Praise God. And we just come in and moved in on an acre and a little over an acre and a half about 11, 12 years ago. And, and here we are today as a home base and an office for the, and a media ministry and a radio ministry. And to them that will still come that ain't burnt out with me, that ain't tired of me. That's outgrew me. Can you say man? Because you're so theologically astute. And you're so spiritually in tune. I'm probably preaching below your level. No, what's bugging you dear friend. Is because conviction still comes into this place. On me and on you. Amen. You can sit back like a student at a Bible college. And listen to someone give you theology. And never be convicted. But you can't come here and not be convicted. And when I start looking around for somebody to say amen and somebody looking at the floor, please don't look at the floor. You'll think it's you. I'm used to it. I'm used to it. When you can't make eye contact with me, there's something bad wrong with you. And here we are, eye to eye. <laughs> he thinks he's cozy behind that bush. I ain't never going to make eye contact. I go over there, don't I? I come purposely and I'm looking. Ooh. <laughs> Amen. You can run, but you can't hide. We ain't no big church now. You can't go up in the balcony. And the back row ain't that far away. Can you say amen? Right, Jimmy? I can see you. Hallelujah. I preached to 10,000 people in Haiti. I loved it. I couldn't see whether they were frowning or smiling. There's so many faces. But boy, you get up in here. <laughs> amen. I can smell your cologne. Or the lack of it. Can you say amen? But God is in this room. And in spite of the many false prophets. In spite of the great falling away. In spite of the lack of true devotion to Christ and disciples. God is pouring out his spirit upon them that will receive it. In the last days with all the junk and the falling away and the false prophets. In the last day saith God uh, he began on the listen Penny, I don't want to go too deep into theology Pentecost began the last days because that's when he started pouring it out the days a thousand years ago. you say it's been 2100 years you bet it has and counting amen but in the last days saith God I will pour out my spirit on all flesh and to those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. Not hungry for power. Hungry for Him. Can you say amen? And being right with Him, they shall be filled 
with what you're hungry for. But when you're right with God, the Holy Spirit will rise up within you, manifest to you and through you, and there will come the power that you're looking for. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. Amen and amen and amen and amen and amen. God will make a way. God will provide. God will see to it. God will pour out and is pouring out His Spirit. And another thing that God will do... Upon this rock, I will build. He's still building His church. His church is being built. His church is being built. His church, not just the church in name, but His church. My sheep know my voice. And a stranger, come on, the false prophet can't dupe them. He can't influence them. A stranger they will not follow. No patty cake. Elton John gets better. Give God a praise today. Hallelujah. 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 I will build my church. I will build my church. My sheep. My sheep. My sheep. Bible, Bible, Bible. Oh, we're not talking. We're talking way above me. My sheep, my sheep know my voice. They don't just listen. Look at the personality and listen to the words. They get down in God's Word. And let every man, let God be true and every man become the liar. This is not about anointing. This is not about people getting healed or not getting healed or playing like they're getting healed. This is about the inerrant, eternal Word of God. If you continue in His Word... You're going to know the truth. Not just intellectually, but spiritually. And not just spiritually and intellectually, but you will know it experientially. As you apply the Word, you're going to find out just how true it is and just how far God will go to back it up. Can you say man, Hallelujah. And when you do that, the truth experienced, applied, will make you free. Can you say man? Hallelujah. And one of the great liberating power of His truth is that you will be free from self-indulgence, self-exaltation. You will want His will more than you want your way. And if you ask anything according to His will, you better get ready to receive it. This is the confidence we have in Him. If you abide in Me, my word, what? Abides in you. You'll ask what you will. Does that get in your way? No, when the word abides in you, you want his will, not your way. What happens, John 15? If you abide in me and my word abides in you, you will ask what you will. And it's not just because faith comes by hearing. It's because you now are surrendering, surrendering and submitting yourself to the revealed will of God and his word. First thing his word's going to tell you, if you're going to follow me, you've got to deal with self first. Because you can't follow me unless you take up a cross. And unless you change your mindset, get out of what's God going to do for me if I follow him, or I ain't going to give him this, he gives me back next week. I'm not going to surrender to his will unless I see how it benefits me materially, here and now. That's got to go. Deny yourself. 
take up your cross. And then and only then can you walk out of here and call yourself a follower of Jesus Christ. And that's what Christian means. Hallelujah. And he'll meet your needs. And the healings don't even get me started. How many times God has healed in our family. How many times he has delivered. I saw the little rascals. I look at where are they now. And so many of them had tragic deaths when they grew up. Darla Hood died of encephalitis, I think it was, or one of those diseases in her early 50s. She didn't get to live to old age. Mickey Mouse Club, look at, I used to have a crush on her until I met Pamela and then all my crushes met. I became a one-man woman when I met Pamela. Even Annette Funicello couldn't turn my head no more. And I had a big-time crush on Annette when I was 10, 11, 12. Finally, the MS got her. How many times... And sickness and tragedy come to our home. And how many times God has come through. Oh, friend. When, the, when Jesus is Lord of your life and the kingdom is first, God will take care of you. The Bible said when you're, when you're hungry for righteousness, you're going to be filled. You seek His righteousness. Not, not his, his formula for getting stuff. You just seek to be right with God. Amen. It's what that means. It's what that means. Get right with God. He'll take care of you. He'll answer your prayers. He'll deliver. Hallelujah. For as the mountains are round about Jerusalem, the Lord is round about His people to look on and hope they farewell down there. No, to deliver them. Hallelujah. 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 So today there's a challenge this Christmas season when so many people are going to be distracted. And not just at Christmas, when it's over. If they can be distracted from the real meaning of Christmas, they're going to be distracted from following Christ after Christmas is over. Make no mistake about it. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. That's occurring now. Sin is breaking fellowship with God. Stay out of fellowship. The love begins to wane. And people don't serve Him because they love Him. And the merchandisers have stepped into the vacuum where the love used to promote the giving and the devotion promising you this and that and the other to try to stimulate you to do something for this God who gave His Son and this Son who died on the cross. And Christians are eating it up. That's irrefutable. No one can argue that in America. People from Africa and Asia come to America the dedicated African evangelists that come here. What they have said about America when they saw the church, the condition, what's going on on the television, not all of them, but many of them. 
They said the American church is like a river. A hundred miles long. A hundred miles wide. There's churches everywhere. Religion is popular. But only an inch deep. And what they're talking about is devotion to Christ. If they had to give, if they had to sacrifice, if they had to be put in jeopardy to follow Jesus, those people thronging to be entertained and merchandise, they wouldn't be there. What's in it for you? God's favor, God's blessing, eternal life, answered prayer, God's deliverance, God's personal protection. Hallelujah. You seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall what? Be added unto you for the Father knows everything you need and he stands ready to meet that need. And he's a good and gracious God. Did you get anything out of this? This Christmas season. You don't want to miss the kingdom of God this Christmas season. Glory be to God. Glory be to God. Glory. I want, I want to play this again. Last week, do you, anyone was here remember the sermon? Mary had a lamb. And we talked about the lamb of God. From heaven's point of view, there was no cute little baby laying in that manger. No pure little child to evoke sentimental feelings. God had provided for every one of us on this planet a sacrificed lamb. And it's that lamb that we love enough to bow to no other and to put first in our life. And if there was not one blessing pronounced on giving, true Christians would give anyway. And our brothers and sisters in the Middle East, remember when ISIS had these Christian brothers lined up, taking them down to the seashore to murder them. And all they were asking them to do is recant their faith in Christ and accept Islam as their faith. Do you see how many of those brothers there were being walked down to the seashore to be slaughtered? It's, it's the shameful message that's not coming out of the Middle East is the war. They want to kill every Christian in the Middle East, everyone. They really want to kill us too. But they're just not here to do it. But when I see them being marched to their death, young men that were in the area they were in trying to find work to provide for their families. These were not militias. These were not gun-toting political people. These were husbands wanting to care for their families. And when I see that kind of devotion, I shouldn't have to pump up a praise on Sunday morning from this pulpit. I shouldn't have to prime someone to say, oh, don't you love Jesus? As if he's some pitiful, pitiful Savior who, who nobody really loves. And don't you want to love him, make him feel better? No, he deserves our very best and our true devotion. And he deserves it because of what he's done for us. God has provided a lamb at Christmas. Thank God he sent a lamb a little lamb in that manger without a spot or a blemish that could grow up and offer that pure, sinless blood 
on the cross for you and the cross for me. And it all began at Bethlehem. Will you stand? Let's give him a praise today. Let's give him a praise today. Hallelujah. I don't know what God is going to do in your house, your home, your family. But in my house, Joshua 24, 15 stands. If I have to stand alone, it stands. Can't talk about your house. You, you live in your house. You decide what you're going to do in your house. But as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. Whether you come to church or not, we're going to serve the Lord. Whether you give or not, we're going to serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Whether you amen or not, I'm going to preach the word. We're going to serve the Lord. Can you say amen? Whether you appreciate me or not, I'm still going to show up and preach the word. Too many churches in town to sit here discontented. They're all over the place. They're looking for you. You'll add to their number count. You will add to their financial, if you give there. They'll be happy to have you. And if you want to find a church where you're not convicted, they're out there. Guarantee you. You will never feel what you just felt a while ago. Amen? No, you can just walk right in. Sit right down. And walk right out. And stay bound by the same sin. And not be right with God. You'll feel good because the choir will sing good. And they'll sing you happy. But they won't keep you happy through the week. Can, you can't live in the euphoria of hitting a high note. And somebody else's blessing overflowing. But if you've got fellowship with God, it'll last you all week long. You can be happy in the Circle K on Wednesday. Hallelujah. Praise God. Or you can come to church and be unhappy while telling everybody they need Jesus. And I'm going to tell you something. They ain't buying it no more. I don't care how much theological knowledge and how committed you say you are. If you ain't got no victory and you can't find hope. And they see sadness everywhere they turn. And when they see it in you, don't ever try to tell them about Jesus until you deal with it. Come on, you need to get that thing fixed. <laughs> Hallelujah. So somebody might ask you. Somebody might want to know, where are you getting your hope from? And you can tell them about Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's lift our hands and give Him praise. I want to leave here with a dedication to the Lord today. Hallelujah. Thank you for praying for me last week. God has been so good. He's lifted me up so many times. I have really been attacked after preaching healing and laying on hands on people to be healed. But God is, is using the attacks on me to strengthen my faith to believe for you. Can you say amen in anybody else? Because I'm walking this thing out in my life, Brother Taylor. I'm not just preaching it or praying it for somebody else. God is lifting me up and bringing me through. And I proclaim that Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Out of a people, a people are being gathered right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Why isn't the judgment occurring? I've got to tell you, the wheat, while, 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 the, while the sleepiness has come on the church in the pulpit, the enemy has sown tares among the wheat. Can you say, man, so many undedicated, unqualified, phony Christians sitting in church on Sunday, it has took the reputation of the church itself and besmirched it. And the people that would follow God are becoming discouraged seeing so many that are falling away. You know what the Bible said to do? Root them out. Nail them. Get them. No, leave them alone. Let them grow up together. Because the judgment is coming. 
angels themselves. You're not qualified, I'm not. But angels will. Come on, judgment's beginning first at the house of God. Angels are going to separate the wheat from the tares. Come on, no mistake is going to be made when the trumpet sounds. Can you say amen? The separation is here. The shaking is here. Everything. That includes you and me. Everything. Everyone that can be shaken is going to be shaken. For a divine, holy, pure, powerful purpose. So that that. And that's why God is holding back and let it shake. So that that. Which. Oh, I feel a prophetic anointing. i got to tell you this prophetically. I mean this. Spirit of the Lord is all over me right now. Why doesn't God shut the mouth of the false prophet? Why doesn't God strike them down? Why does He let them flourish? Amen. So the separation can occur. My sheep know my voice. His sheep will not follow them. I don't care what kind of TV ministry. I don't care how rich they become. How powerful and persuasive they are personally. My sheep will not follow a stranger. Can you say my sheep do know my voice my sheep will come to oh hallelujah friend of mine the Holy Ghost is shaking this thing why do they exist because the undevoted the people who are phony they're going to run to them they will never feel conviction and this is the judgment this is the judgment there is a judgment is he judging it's a worse judgment than a tidal wave or an earthquake. You know what it is? Because when they knew God, they would not worship Him as God. But they worshiped and served creature more than Creator. Has the judgment falling? It's, it's a dangerous time when you're exposed to truth and walk away from it. Can you say, man, hallelujah? Because when they knew God, Romans 1 Around verse 18, because when they knew God, they would not worship Him as God, but worship and serve creature more than Creator, neither were they thankful. Therefore, God turned them over. If you don't want light and you don't want truth, you're going to swallow the lie and go into the darkness. God said, I will let you have what you choose. I will not force you into the light. I will not make you apply the truth to your life. He turned them over to a reprobate mind. You know what a reprobate mind is? A mind that cannot cease from sinning. So you're going to have to look for a church that accommodates, and they're out there. They're filled with sin that God said He would judge, and they're welcoming people living in the same sin and telling them they're going to heaven. And telling them they're going to heaven. And they don't have a biblical basis for what they're saying. And it's not what they say. It's what He has said that's going to determine your final destiny. Can you say amen? Amen? So I would ask the question, whatever happened to heaven, the homeland of the redeemed? Whatever happened to hell? 
the eternal banishment and punishment from God. And whatever happened to the soon coming of Jesus Christ? And whatever happened to serving God with everything we have and everything we are because of the old rugged cross? Hallelujah. Would you just lift your hands and thank Him for Jesus this Christmas? Don't miss it. If you miss that, you're going to miss everything. Thank Him for Jesus right now. Just let it play. Thank Him for Jesus. Thank Him for Jesus.